Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read uh, verse 12 of Exodus 20 as we continue in our series in Exodus, free at last, and as we look together at the Ten Commandments. Bless you. Verse 12 of Exodus 20, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, as all of us sit now under the authority of your word, pray that you would do that work in us through the power of your spirit working through your word, that you would conform us Father, into the image of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for his sake, that you would open our hearts to receive your word, to lay it up in our lives, to uh, lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, As I read that text, honor your father and mother, some of you no doubt received that with joy. And you received it with joy because you you are or were privileged to grow up in an environment where your parents model or modeled well the call of the Apostle Paul to parents when he wrote, fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In that text in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul quotes the commandment here in Exodus 20 reminding children and parents of their mutual responsibility to each other. Others of you though, as I read that passage, may have experienced a sense of grief. And you experienced that grief likely because for you, following God's command has proved difficult because of your experience in a household with parents who do not or did not honor God's call to refrain from creating an environment of anger due to resentment. Some of you may have been abandoned by your parents. For you, God's parental love and care has had to come to expression through other men and women who have uh, filled that role left unfulfilled by your actual parents. I do want to encourage you in your grief that to the end that you have experienced that from others in the Christian community, you have experienced the blessing spoken by Jesus to his apostles whom, who may have been grieving what they had left behind to follow him. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So if you're in this body of local believers, I pray that you will find that blessing to be true, that in this place exists the same care that is meant to be found in the household between uh, Christian parents and their children. This is truly uh, what is at the heart of this command. Through our earthly parents, God intends to manifest his own parental love and care for us as his children. It is why he has elevated the status of father and mother to a place of honor, a term often used in the Bible to describe what we owe to God himself. Of course, the point isn't that our parents are God, but rather that we are to esteem them highly as we esteem the Lord himself, for through them God desires to be at work to show us his love and his care. In fact, let me say that the second half 
of the Decalogue, though focused on on our horizontal relationships, still has God at the center. For it is through these horizontal relationships that God also manifests His goodness to us and calls us to walk in His ways. And so it's our relationship uh, with our parents that God, uh, in our relationship with our parents, God calls us to honor them. And this command is not based on their goodness or their lack thereof, but on God's promise to bless us as we follow this command. Of course, we will unpack the meaning of honoring so as to give shape to how we do this even when we are dealing with ungodly parents. Yet I want to remind us that a big part of what makes this difficult is our own sin. In our sin, we struggle with honoring. In our sin, we struggle with honoring. And we struggle with honoring because honoring means esteeming someone else more highly than ourselves. It means esteeming someone else more highly than ourselves. And I know we struggle with it because the Bible is filled with admonition to us to humble ourselves and to esteem others more highly than ourselves. Can you imagine what would happen in a community where everyone was esteeming the other more highly than themselves? Can you imagine what would happen in a community where people were, sh- were, were, were fighting to show honor <laughs> to each other, to esteem one another? And the reason this starts with our parents is because if we can't figure out how to do it with them, we will likely have a difficult time finding out how to do it with others. In fact, that the term father and mother are used at times in the Scriptures for other leaders suggests that God expected that what started at home would spread into the larger society, that those who lived in honor of their parents would also know how to walk in that same honor with other leaders and with people in general. This is why the Westminster Confession of Faith understands this command not just to, to apply to our natural parents, but it says all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance, are over us in place of authority, whether in family or church. Commonwealth. Of course, uh, given Paul's admonition centuries later, this would include the expectation that those leaders would know how to follow God in caring for those under their care, in manifesting to them God's own love and care, in creating an environment where honor could be freely and willingly given. Indeed, the church, which is called the household of God, ought to be a place where mutual esteeming of one another is the norm and where the esteem for those whom God has given us as gifts to love and care and serve and lead us is also the norm. Our parents then, whether Christians or not, should see in us and experience from us the higher regard in which God calls us to hold them. Amen, people of God. So what is honoring? What is honoring our mother and father. I want to start by saying it's a broad commandment. It's a broad commandment. The word for honor here covers a broad range of activities, large and small, that promote respect for our parents and respect uh, for our leaders. Even a cursory look at other passages in the Bible that speak to how God's people respond to mother and father would demonstrate this. The, The command covers how we speak to and about our parents. How many of us, if we were honest, in moments of disappointment and even anger, have strayed into the territory of speaking ill of our parents, of our leaders? How many of us have been so bold as to curse them, to express hatred toward them, or to communicate the same to others? 
In addition to how we speak, the commandment covers how we care for them, particularly in their old age and in a confrontation with the Pharisees about the elevation of their traditions over the commandments of God. Jesus remarks, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that what might be, have, be, have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. This, thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. The Pharisees, to keep their resources to themselves, found a means of circumventing, that is, going around God's law so as not to have to give their money to support their parents in their old age. How many of us are tempted toward the same impulse? How many of us are putting money away for ourselves without thought for our parents' care? In fact, as a side note, how many of us are putting money away for ourselves without care for the rest of the body of Christ? to whom we are called to give support by being radically generous with our resources. Don't mishear me. The care of our own children, if we have them, is a necessity, but not to the exclusion of our responsibility to our parents and more broadly to the body of Christ. Indeed, what this might ask of us is that we consider what kind of future we're trying to establish for our children. Are we saving to give them a life without struggle where they don't have to learn to depend on God? In fact, is that what we're trying to establish for ourselves? A future of comfort and ease and pleasure where we don't have to depend on God such that we're not able to be generous to one another in times of need. I know I'm messing with y'all some right now because y'all are quiet. If so, if that's what we're doing, if we're thinking about ourselves, caring for our parents will prove even more difficult if our priority is our own comfort and pleasure and ease. I've said a lot, but not even nearly enough. <laughs> that's the challenge of doing commandments in one sermon. <laughs> but this commandment is broad, including speech and care. It includes listening to our parents' instructions. In Proverbs 1, the writer says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The call here is to be attentive to the sound teaching of our parents, knowing that those who are in the Lord are seeking to lead us into what is right and good for our own sake and for the sake of others. But how does this broad word apply when we are in situations where our parents, by their actions, create an environment of anger or frustration through mistreatment or neglect of their duties? Let me encourage you that if you're in an abusive situation, or know of someone who is being oppressed or assaulted physically or verbally, especially within the household of God, please let someone in authority know. Please come talk to one of your elders and let us know so that we can help you. It's a, if it's a matter of physical or sexual abuse of a minor, this should be reported to the authorities, to the police. God cares about those who are mistreated, and it's our responsibility as elders to fight for justice for the oppressed, and it's all of our jobs to care for those who are mistreated. But what does honor look like when we are dealing with, with parents or leaders, uh, by extension, uh, whose actions create an environment of exasperation or frustration or anger? 
In, in Ephesians 5, before giving instructions to, to Christian households, the Apostle Paul tells us, live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. There are two things here that I think apply in all our relationships, even those with our parents and leaders. Live as children of light, number one. Live as children of light, and Paul explains what that is. It's goodness, it's righteousness, it's truth. That is, that is in all of your relationships with, 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 with your brothers and sisters, with your parents, with your leaders, in all of your relationships, do what is good, do what is right, and do what accords with truth. Even when we are in environments that cause frustration and anger, we are to do what is good, we are to do what is right, and we are to do what, what, what accords with truth. And the second thing, Paul says, is expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. We are to expose sin, even and especially sins committed by those who are given charge over us, our parents, our leaders. It's an act of love and honor, by the way, to our leaders and to our parents to do so, because love and honor wants to see people freed from evil, which is a slave master, to oppress and oppressor alike to victim and victimizer alike, to offended and offender alike. It's a broad command. (laughs) It's a broad command. And it includes how we speak. It includes how uh, how we act. It includes care. It includes listening to instruction. It's a broad commandment. It's also an inclusive commandment. What do I mean by that? It's an inclusive commandment. Note that the command is not just to honor father, but includes the equal honor of mother alongside father. In fact, in Leviticus 19, mother comes before father, which is perhaps a sign of the equivalency of the two persons. This is no small matter, for in cultures that elevated men above women in priority and value, God was teaching his people that this would not be so among them. Mothers and fathers were to be given equal honor and respect from their children. God forbid that in God's kingdom someone would say they didn't have to listen to their mother because they want their father. God's response in the scriptures would be, not in this house. In this house, mama is old honor and daddy is old honor. And I want to encourage you as Christian parents to promote this equal honor within your homes. Fathers, don't allow or promote what causes your children to diminish the honor they owe to their mothers. And mothers, don't allow or promote what causes your children to diminish the honor they owe to their fathers. This should even be true for us as Christians in those unfortunate circumstances where divorce has separated mother and father. This will require wisdom in how we navigate conversations with our children, particularly if one or the other parent is behaving in ungodly ways. But God promises wisdom to all who ask him for it, so he will give it to us if we ask him. But this equal giving of honor matters greatly, not just in the home, but in the world. It would be impossible to hear this commandment and not also be reminded of Genesis 1, verses 24 to 26. God created male 
God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves over the earth. God's equal blessing of male and female calls for equal honor of male and female. Perhaps if we started here in our relationships across gender lines, they might be better in the church. <laughs> they might be better in the world if we actually started with a reminder that men and women are created equally in the image of God and therefore owe equal honor. And since the church is God's alternative to the world's kingdom, this honor should permeate our lives together. And this is certainly true in the parent-child relationship, no matter where we fall along the spectrum or our views about roles and responsibilities in the church and in the home. Note the passage I read in Proverbs 1, where the son, and by inference the daughter, is to follow not just the father's instruction, but the mother's teaching as well. The point, of course, of it being the son is to emphasize that it's not just the dad who has the words of the Lord. Mama does too. So you're to listen to your father's teaching, your father's instruction, but you're also to follow your mother's teaching. The fifth commandment is inclusive, is all I'm saying. It is honor to be given to mother and father, not just to one or the other. And this is especially important because in some cases, perhaps in many, we, we, we like or get along with one or the other parent better. And so embracing this equal honor is all the more important so that we don't encourage division, which leads to dysfunction and destruction in all of our relationships. It's a broad commandment. <laughs> it's an inclusive commandment. It's a commandment with a promise. It's a commandment with a promise. Uh, God's promise to those who keep this commandment through the power of the Spirit is long days in the land that the Lord their God gives to them. That Paul repeats not just the command, but the promise in Ephesians 6 implies that the promise continues to stand for all those who keep it. So what's the promise? While it might be true that those who keep this command actually live long lives and are gener generally blessed with good things in that long life, I don't believe that the promise rests solely in its individual fulfillment. What I mean is that I don't think it's just a promise to individuals, but a promise to the whole community of God's people together. Note that, that, that the land is being given not just to individuals, but to the whole community. The promised land and its fruitfulness was intended to be a blessing to the whole Israelite community. And keeping God's commandments as a whole, Israel would enjoy a shared life of blessing and fruitfulness and peace. But, but in order for that life to be experienced, they, they needed to participate corporately in keeping and encouraging each other to keep God's commandments. And one of the chief commandments that they were called to keep in order for this to happen was, was to honor the, their, their mother and their father. And as I said, by extension, uh, uh, the other leaders God had given to them. And it's no small thing that the Christian community whose eternal life rests not in our faithfulness, but in the faithfulness of Jesus who died and rose again from the dead is still called to keep this commandment, but are reminded that the promise attached to it still applies to our keeping it. We are reminded, in other words, that our temporal well-being as a community that is our well-being in this world still includes the honor of our father and our mother. 
And this ought not to shock us for our our temporal well-being as a community rest and our commitment to love one another as Christ has called us to love one another, right? And, And empowered us to love one another. If we don't love one another, we will not flourish as a community, nor will we be effective witnesses for God in the world. If we don't love each other, if we, if we don't care about each other, then, then, then we will cease to be a testimony in the land and therefore will cease to be what God has called us to be. And since honor is in keeping with love, to live in a community where parents are dishonored would make us unwell and unfruitful as a community. That Paul addresses his commandment in his letters clearly indicates that it was something that was either already an issue or one that he believed could become an issue, perhaps especially where some in households were turning to the Lord and some were not. It would be easy to think as a Christian that, that I don't have to give to those parents who are not in the Lord the same honor I would have to give to those who are in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents, not because they are in the Lord. You obey the, your parents in the Lord because you are in Him. You do what is right. You do what is right. You show by the way you speak and by the way you, by the way you think and by the way you act that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Christians, no matter what they see in the world around them doing, are to follow the Lord, showing themselves thereby to be his alternative kingdom in the world. I'm going to tell them myself this morning. I was mad at my dad. My dad, um, I don't know where my dad was in terms of his relationship with the Lord, but I was angry with him. And uh, I was grown at this time. I was a man, and he had said something I didn't like, and so I said something to him that I should not have said. I was a Christian at this time, and we got in a little kind of tit for tat, and I was on my way to Bible study. Y'all missed that. (laughs) I was arguing with my dad, and I was on my way to Bible study. You missed it. I was on my way to Bible study to study the Word of God, and I was arguing with my dad, who I didn't know where he was with the Lord. I was on my way to Bible study, and I was arguing with my dad. And I grabbed my Bible. I'll never forget this, and I put it under my arm, like, you know how you do it when you're a Christian? Put your Bible under your arm. (laughs) And I walked out the door, and as I was walking out the door, my dad said to me, you might as well throw that Bible in the river. Because your behavior right now doesn't look like what you're telling me. And I I never forgot that. Because while I was behaving like a fool, I was bearing testimony to my dad. But it was the wrong kind of testimony. All I'm saying is that it matters how we speak. I did get the chance to repent, just to close that story up. 
did get a chance to repent for my behavior and my actions. But in that moment, I got a small taste of the importance, even in my anger, of watching how I speak to others and the importance of showing honor. Paul tells us in Ephesians that this is the first commandment with a promise. And our call, brothers and sisters, is to believe the promises of God and to rest in them. The promise, this promise is a reminder to us that God longs and intends to do good to us as his people. God's desire for us is that we would be a fruitful community whose testimony to the world shows them what the world looks like when the Lord reigns. This is what it looks like when God is king. When, pe- when people come into this community, they're, they're supposed to be able to say, this is what it looks like when God is king. This is what it looks like where God rules. In the place where, God's rule, where, where God rules, people honor each other. In the, in the place where God rules, people show love to one another. In the place where God rules, people respect one another. In the place where God rules, people care. People care for their families and care for their parents. Where the Lord reigns, life flourishes, and people are blessed. And so believing the promise attached to this commandment inspires and encourages us toward the fulfillment of it, which is why we are called to remember it. Let's not forget the good that God intends for us in in us keeping this command and the good that keeping this command produces not just for us, but for the communities that God has placed us in. This is wonderful psalm, and I, I'm, I'm not going to remember the, 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 the number of the psalm, but it says, God sets the lonely in families. And he wants us to be that for people in the community around us. And so he asks us to be a people who behave like family <laughs> in the way we treat each other and especially in the way we treat those he has given to us as a gift to care for us. God wants life to flourish among us and for us to bear testimony to that life in the world around us. And part of how that happens is as we keep this command. Amen, people of God. In Deuteronomy, the Lord uh, describes the promise attached to this command uh, in this way. He says, that it may go well with you and that your days in the land that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. That it may go well with you is a rem- reminder to us of the heart of God's purposes in our lives. God's commands are about producing life. And you and I know that that life is ours now, not because of what we have done. That life is ours now because of what Jesus Christ has done. It will go well with us because Christ died for us to deliver us from the penalty of the law, which is death. Yet he also died that the righteous requirement of the law might be met in us who walk not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. He also died so that we can live in the way that God has called us to and so that we can keep his commandments through the power of the Spirit. Amen, people of God. So I want to remind you this morning that we can live, we can live in this honor that God calls us to through faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit. So let's live in it to the glory of God. Amen, people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. 
We thank you for all the good gifts that you give to us. We thank you, especially those of us who have been blessed with parents who know you and love you and serve you, who have sought to love and lead and serve uh, us as their children. We bless you, uh, Lord, for that gift. We also thank you, Lord, those of us who have not had that privilege and that benefit, who have grown up in homes that have been uh, less than what you called them to be in the scriptures, who have grown up either with parents who have abandoned us or parents, uh, Lord, who have not fulfilled their duties as you call them to. We thank you that you have in the church given us uh, sisters and brothers and mothers, people who have cared for us and shown us the love of God, people who have treated us with kindness and care and love, people, uh, older men and older women, uh, Father, who have taken us under their arms. We thank you for those um, uh, foster parents who have cared for children, Lord, who have not had parents. We thank you for those who have adopted children, Lord, and brought them into their family and into their lives. We thank you for the gift of family, and we thank you for the gift of parents, and we thank you that the church is the household of God so that where, Lord, that has not been our reality, we might find it here among your people. Bless us to be a community that lives in honor of those you have given to us as gifts to lead and care for us and nurture our faith. Father, help us to be a community that esteems one another highly in the Lord. May people come in here into this place, into this church, and indeed into your church across this city. May they go into the church and see this is the place where the Lord reigns because they see us caring for one another as you call us to and honoring one another as you call us to. I pray and ask this for New City Fellowship and for all the churches open in your name, preaching the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's